start recording there. Let's go here. Uh, welcome back to Stephen Jalen's podcast. Uh, we're back for another week. After last week, we actually got 50 views on the other podcast. Uh, so thank you for that. And welcome to, I guess, another week. Uh, so make sure to hit that subscribe button as we are nearing Don't 40. Subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe. Do yeah. that. Click that button. Subscribe. Yes, uh, subscribe so you don't miss anything uh, of the upcoming episodes because we could branch out into other shows instead of just a weekly thing. But and also, if there's something that you want us to talk about, let us know. We'll, we'll put that on the agenda for you guys. Yeah, we sure will. All right. So first, what we're going to do is start in the NBA as the Celtics beat the Warriors after a rocky start. And how do you how do you think they played? Because... The Warriors dominated the first half. They really did. But what I was most impressed about is just the overall gut and resolve of of the Celtics. They really fought back. They were believe they were down by 17 points. And you could just see in their eyes that they did not want to lose this matchup. And uh, they were hungry. And I think they did a really good job on Steph Curry and keeping him contained. Had him in foul trouble the majority of the game. And they had a really good game plan. So kudos to, to Brad Stevens for executing what they what they came out to do. And it looks like Steve Kerr was right about the Celtics being the, the team of the future. Yeah, and uh, another interesting stat line I saw was Marcus Smart did not have a good game. But <laughs> with him on the floor, they outscored the Warriors by 15. So you're not making a huge difference on the stat line. But obviously with you on the floor, you're helping the team out. That's right, and it really goes to show you that you can't really. There's no stat that measures heart, and when you when he's out there, you can tell that he is the energy of the floor. He's making hustle plays, he's diving, he's running around screens and running through them, and he's just the overall enforcer on the floor. So uh, he's a key part of their their the team. He reminds me of Joe Kim Noah uh, when the Bulls were having their run. He's just their emotional leader on the floor. Yeah, he went 0 for 10 from the field with one point, and actually blocked his own teammates shot from going in so technically he had negative points on the day but yep. still helping the team out um but it really is a lesson to all the young players out there that no matter what even if you're struggling you can always help your team win by doing other things the the things that people don't want to be involved in like playing defense and, and making the hustle plays yeah, and obviously Brad Stevens notices that. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on the floor with those kind of stats as he, he had 31 minutes in the game. Yep. yep. Um, Jalen Brown leading the team in scoring. What do you think about that? He looked, he looked awesome out there. There was a period when they were making the comeback from 17 where he was all over the place. He was coming down. He had a, a slam, ran down, got a block, came down and made a, another bucket. You could tell that his development is is outstanding. The future is very bright for him, and and wow, I was just really impressed by by his overall game. Jason uh, Tatum didn't really have the the greatest of games, but he had his moments throughout the that game. Yep, and uh, every game they win keeps getting scarier and scarier for when they get Gordon Hayward back. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine this team with Gordon Hayward? Man. Uh, you, you might you might put them in that conversation of, of pushing the Warriors. I still don't think they have enough to beat them, though. Yeah, but soon I think they give them a legitimate shot at their money. Yeah, I, I agree. But since we're talking about upcoming teams, wow, I, I watched the Sixers play uh, Lonzo Ball the other night, and 
let me tell you, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they are the real deal. I I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I saw Joel Embiid when they played the Lakers. He had, was it like 40 points or something like that? I don't know if it was 40, but he had, he had a crazy stat line where he had um, uh, almost a triple-double. Yeah, he had 46 points, uh, 14 for 20 from the field, 16 for 19 from the free-throw line as a big man. Yeah, he looked, he looked unstoppable out there. You can tell that his game is just at a whole nother level. He can go inside. He can go outside. The Lakers didn't have any answer for anything that he had on the floor. And, and not to mention it, Ben Simmons looked like he had it out for Alonzo. There was a couple plays where he came down on a fast break and he really looked looked out for Alonzo and kind of Euro-stepped him, but he wanted the contact and he dunked on him. And there was another play where uh, it looked like Joel Embiid wanted to get involved with it and he had Alonzo coming off the screen and it looked like uh, Joel Embiid gave him a little extra on that screen to make sure he knew that, hey, uh, you're going to have to back up all that talk that your daddy was doing. Yeah, Alonzo, uh, definitely not the best game. Only played 21 minutes and shot uh, one for 15 from the field with two points. Uh, only two assists as well. So even the, when the scoring's not there, the assists aren't there either for Alonzo. Yeah, so do you think it's too early to consider him a bust? No, uh, I think that there's just a lot of pressure on him. And I honestly, I think he's nervous to perform. I think that... He he's just he did he has a lot of people that he thinks he'll let down, and mm -hmm. I don't think it's fair to him. But again, if you're going to be a first round draft pick, you still got to perform a little bit. Right. I was I was watching the jump the other day, and they made a, a very key observation about him. All the top point guards throughout our history have always been vocal leaders and have had some kind of aggressiveness. When you look at Lonzo's game, he really doesn't have any of those elements. Uh, in anything that he does. And it, it causes a little bit of concern for me that he's not aggressive and he's not barking out those commands because if you're the point guard, you're essentially the coach on the floor and you really need to take control of your team and, and let them know where they need to be. And I don't know if it's it's because he's nervous, but he just does not have any signs of, of those qualities and you need those to be a top point guard. So I know last week I was, I was very high on, on Lonzo, but... Um, there's a little bit of concern from me from, from what I've seen over the past couple weeks. Yeah, it makes you wonder how Lonzo gets a contract that he gets and Matt Thomas doesn't make the team after he averaged like 25 points a game in Summer League. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say Matt Thomas <laughs> is better than Lonzo Ball now, but uh, it's just more to watch. I'm not giving up on Lonzo. I think he's still going to be a great player. Just right now, there's a little bit of cause a cause of concern for me. Yeah, Lakers not out of it yet. Only at six and nine. Brandon Ingram's playing good lately, and so is uh, I think is his name Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, correct. Okay, he, what's up? Ingram, Ingram did look good. He he can tell he's starting to feel like that this is his team. He's a uh, he's a little bit better with the ball, and his scoring is really going up to the next level. I know when he came into this league, he was looked at as a as a pure scorer. But he's looking kind of Kevin Durant-ish to me. You know, he's just a freak athlete out there, and he's just super long. And uh, I was really impressed with what he what he's doing this year so far. Yeah, and while you're hitting on my boy Matt Thomas, the Lakers shot three for 27 from the three-point line. You don't think they need a guy kind of like that that just shoots the ball without a like without a doubt? So the the problem with that is yes, the, and if you can shoot in the NBA, 
then yes, you can be in the NBA. But the problem is that's all he has in his game. I know in summer league, you know, he was doing pretty well and decent. But when you step up to the big boys, these guys are athletic, they're fast, and you're not going to be able to blow past them. So you have to be able to do more than just stand there and shoot in the corner because defenses are going to catch on to that and they're going to be able to lock in. I mean, look at Kyle Korver. You know, he's known as just a shooter, but he does other things that allows him to get his shots. He's excellent. He does an excellent job of running around the court, running off the screens. He's in great shape, and he's tall as well. Matt Thomas is about, what, 6'3", so he's still a little short, and it's a little difficult for for those guys to get their their shots off. Uh, Yep, Uh, and while we're on the topic of the Sixers, do you think that they make the playoffs this year if Joel Embiid stays healthy? If Embiid is, is healthy, without a doubt, they're making the playoffs, and that's a team that I don't want to play in the playoffs. Keep in mind, they don't even have folks back as well. Mm. So once he comes back into the fold, um, I'm really curious as, as to what they're going to do. But they have all the right pieces. They just recently signed, re-signed uh, uh, Robert Covington as well. He looks like he's going to be a great piece uh, for the future. They have $26 million in cap room for next year. So, you know, the, the sky's the limit for the, those guys. The only thing that I am very interested to see what they're going to do is what are they going to do with Jaleel Okafor? He's just sitting on the bench, you know, collecting up dust. If they can get a, another key uh, asset for him, watch out for them. Yeah, the, when you say they make the playoffs, uh, what seed do you think they get? Like four to one or four to eight? So they're definitely in the four to four to eight. They're not better than Cleveland. They're not better than the Celtics. They're not better than the Raptors. And um, I think they have a, a shot, and they're not better than the Wizards. Clearly, so I think we're that discussion is is for them is maybe at six seven i think detroit is going to come back down to to uh to to the right level of 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 playing um i just don't see them going the rest of the year as hot as they are um they don't scare me on the court so i see them sinking down to about five and the sixers jumping up to about six seven um and making it to the second possibly the second round they're going to give whoever they play uh a tough round it depends on the matchup uh yeah I, I agree with you there um elsewhere in the nba you have basically you got the celtics and then you have a big cluster in the middle right now when do you think teams will start to separate from the pack and sort of like solidify where the edge of the playoffs are between the bad teams and the good teams i think as you start to get to closer to the all-star break you'll start to see who the contenders are versus the pretenders. Uh, Cleveland is not going to be, uh, you know, where they are today. They're going to be a much better team around the all-star break. Keep in mind, they're going to have IT coming back as well. Hopefully Derek Rose can come back, you know, from his injuries. Uh, And once IT is back, he won't have to play as many minutes. And if they can stay healthy, uh, you know, LeBron is not going to let them not be successful. They're still the team to beat. I mean, wouldn't that be crazy if they didn't make the playoffs? (laughs) Absolutely, I, I'm willing to bet everything that they will they will make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. you can basically guarantee that they're going to make the playoffs. Um, the yeah, basically you get that cluster, and then you have the Hawks and the Bulls sitting at three and ten and three and twelve. Um, but the Bulls did win yesterday, or maybe the day before. But yeah, they won. They won last night in a in a thriller with the uh, the Bobcats. Well, it's not the Bobcats, the Hornets these days. Uh, Kimball Walker dropped 47, I believe. He had the opportunity to win it, uh, to tie it up. 
missed the layup. The rookie did a great job of just jumping straight up and, and not allowing him to convert on that. Uh, but this bull showed a lot of heart last night and, and uh, a lot of grit, which is, which is good to see. Yeah, they did. Um, still, you, you have you still have an injured Bulls team with uh, no uh, shoot Mirtich playing and uh, Zach Levine not in yet. Obviously, uh, I'm hoping that this team gets back to you know the playoff status without having to take as many year offs as the Sixers did. Because I mean, the Sixers are seeing a little bit of success, but I don't. It kind of sucks when you have to wait six years to even be like an eight seed, you know. Well, well, you better you better buckle in because we're gonna be waiting a long time. Um, good news is Zach Levine is is close to being cleared to practice. They reports have him coming back uh, possibly next week into practice. From there on, you, you got to think two weeks to get into to game shape. Uh, so we're we're really close to seeing exactly what he can do. Chris Dunn last night was amazing. Uh, he had a career night. Uh, he's definitely someone to be really excited about. Meritich is in in trade rumors. Obviously, he's already made his demand. It's either him or Bobby. Um, one interesting thing to look for is possibly Nico being traded to the Sixers for Jaleel Okafor. You think you think Okafor is just not fit for that Sixers team, or why do you think he's not playing? And do you think he'd make a good impact on the Bulls team? So I think the Sixers have all the right pieces already. You have Embiid eating up minutes, and you have Sarge as well, who's eating up minutes. And then you, when uh, um, when they play, Ben Simmons also plays some of the the power forward uh, as well. Uh, so there's not a lot of minutes available for him. And also, I think the Sixers are just over the Okafor experiment. I think he had a lot of, you know, antics at the beginning. And they, they're, they're just tired of and ready to move on. So a good piece for them possibly would be Meritich, provide an additional shooter on the floor, um, space out the floor, and give some room for Embiid out there. And also Simmons, he needs someone to space the floor as well. J.J. Redick does a good job with that. But imagine having someone on the other side mm-hmm. who can space the floor along with him to give him some some driving lanes. Uh, yeah, uh, I that that would be a big lineup with Meritich and Embiid in there. I th- Almost be a good one-two punch because you got to guard inside and outside. Um, so also on the Bulls, you had Holiday with 27 leading the team. Mm-hmm. You, you like his play? He's he played almost 40 minutes. Yeah, he played well last night. Um, yeah, I think that's just what's to be expected. Um, like I said, I think he's going to give you that night in, night out. Mm-hmm. Not overly excited because he's not the long-term solution. I'm more so excited about the development of Chris Dunn and what he was able to do last night. And also uh, Laurie Marketing. Anytime those two have great games, it's just a, a win for the Bulls, no matter if they lose. We just need those two guys to, to have great games because that's who we're building around. It's not Justin Holiday. So after the after the Bulls trade this was it last year or last summer, um are you feeling a little bit better about the Chris Dunn? Or at least I don't want to say like it was worth giving up Jimmy Butler for, but are you feeling better about Chris Dunn than you were at the point of the trade? Oh well, I've always been high on on Chris Dunn. He's a great defender. He really displayed that last night. Uh, he's he's just a, a great athlete. He needs to improve his shooting a little bit more uh, to be a little bit more effective. His ball handling is outstanding, uh, but I just need consistency right now. I'm 
like I said, I've always been high on him, but I need him to string together a good a good patch of games to be able to display that he can do it on a regular basis. Uh, but, you know, last night was a good start. I think he's starting now to get his his legs up under him after his injury. He's starting to play with a little bit more confidence. Fred has confidence in him. He went with him the entire fourth quarter. So a lot of plus signs, and that, that's got to build on his on his confidence. And that's what he didn't have when he was in Minnesota, is confidence. Yeah, because he was not averaging very much at all there. Um... Yeah, Thibodeau does not like to play rookies. And so I think that was just a real bad situation for him. But he's in a great situation now. He's going to get a lot of playing time. Do you think his development will get better a lot faster than if he did stay in Minnesota? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, what do you think about Jurian Grant still getting minutes? Or do you think that Fred should just stick with Dunn and ride him out instead of giving him the dual play? Well, Jaron Grant, he's a serviceable point guard. He has He's having a pretty you know decent season. Uh, he's not turning over the ball, which is always a plus in Fred's system. Uh, but I think long-term, it's going to be Chris Dunn. As he becomes more comfortable, uh, you'll see more minutes taken away from Jaron Grant. Now, what Fred has done is he's he's experimented with playing both Jaron Grant and Chris Dunn in the lineup at the same time. And sometimes that seems to work. Jaron Grant is definitely a better shooter than Chris Dunn, so he's able to space the floor. But um, I don't think that's going to be a long-term solution, especially when Zach Levine comes back. Uh yeah, um, I mean they got the they got the Suns next. See if they build go on a little run here. See what they can do. Cause yeah. do, do do you like the way the offense is ran more now with this team? Or let me rephrase that. Do you think it's can you tell it's Fred's offense now rather than the last two years? Like, or is is you can you see him implementing his offense? Yeah, his, his fingerprint is definitely on uh, this team, and they the ball moves around. They they have a lot of ball movement, and they shoot a lot of threes, which is something that they did not do last year. Now, the other part of that is they need to start making those threes. Uh, but I think as time develops uh, and they become familiar with the system and um, the players develop, you'll start to see those threes go in. But um, you start you you do see his imprint on this team. Yeah, and they they won even shooting seventeen for thirty four, so fifty percent from the three point line, and they only won by three. Yeah, it's consistency. You know, they'll have days when they they shoot outstanding from the perimeter, and then the flip side of that is the next game, they'll shoot you know below thirty five percent from the field. So it's just it's just consistency. All right, uh, where do you want to go next in the NBA? Um. Well, how about I'm really curious to see what your thoughts are on uh, the NFL. Uh, who do you think is the best team in the NFL right now? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not huge on the Eagles hype. I know you are an Eagles oh, fan. Man. How uh, can you be on, on board? What is it you don't like about them? It's just it's hard to cheer. It's hard to be behind a team that doesn't isn't known for their success, you know, like it's easy to jump on like the, the new England Patriots or like the Alabama is always like preseason number one in football because they are known to have success. It's just hard to put your like belief in a team that just hasn't ever won. 
Okay, I I can I can get that, but it's a new day, baby. The, the niggas look great. I mean, they have it on offense, they have it on defense, they have it on special team. They have a young quarterback who's in the the MVP discussions. I mean, what more could you want from this team? They make plays and they have fun doing it. They are awesome to watch on a, on a weekly basis. Uh it's just let let me guess. You're rooting for the Vikings, right? Yes, yes, and I can't say anything about their success either because we haven't done anything. But I just like how we're seven and two without either one of our starting quarterbacks. We picked up a Case Keenum that's been hopping around, and the defense has provided. Yep. And if I mean, if you can win with a third string quarterback, like it's almost like comparable to Iowa State is doing. There, any quarterback can go in there and play. It's just if you have a solid team. They can they can help your team win games. You don't need that quarterback. So I mean, I think you have a good all around squad for the Vikings, and I think we'd be sitting at eight and one or nine and zero with like if Teddy Bridgewater never blew out his knee or if uh, Bradford was never always hurt. <laughs> well, I don't know if they'll be they would be that good, but they definitely would be improved. I think another thing that is uh, overlooked with the Vikings is they also lost Delvin Cook. Uh, early in the season as well and he looked like he was going to be outstanding and, and be in the the running for rookie of the year so um kudos to them their defense is is airtight we knew that last year last year they had you know the same defense however they ran into injuries looks like this year that defensive side of the ball is staying healthy and it's the offense that's not staying healthy but um i just don't think that they can sustain that for an entire year they're definitely going to win that division. I don't see the Lions making it, pushing them. Um, unless Aaron Rodgers miraculously comes back and wills that team, which is definitely possible for, for, for Rodgers, uh, I just don't see anyone overtaking the Vikings. So you can pencil them in for winning the division, but that's that's where it gets tough. I don't think they're better than the Rams. I don't think they're better than the Eagles. And... Um, I think that they would have issues containing um, potentially Cam Newton with the Panthers. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um, this Vikings team, the defense has been staying healthy. I think Griffin, Everson Griffin, was out last game, but other than that, pretty solid. Uh, the offense, you've had some guys step up for uh, the running back, Dalvin Cook, going out and our quarterback getting hurt. You have Adam Thielen. Yeah who's playing like an absolute baller right now. And so is uh, you have the dual threat, Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray. So really you have those injuries, but you have other guys stepping up to make those plays, which is good to see that you have a, that you have some depth to the team. Right. So, I mean, the Vikings, they got a big matchup this weekend uh, against the Rams at home. So Mm -hmm. this would be a, this would be a, a pivotal win. Hopefully, I wonder if that would change your mind on this team at all. Well, if they if they can beat the Rams, I think then we can have discussions on if they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender because the Rams' offense is awesome. They're the top offense in the league. If they can somehow slow down that team, then we can have we can have that discussion. But I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would that would mean the Vikings would have wins over the Saints and the Rams, which are both in the playoffs as of now. 
The Saints, though, are a red hot right now, winning seven in a row. You think they're a contender or just an easy schedule? I, I think they're a pretender. I'm not on the Saints bandwagon at all. If they're, it's going to come to a point where it's going to die down. They're going to come back down to reality. And once they do that, guess who's going to be right there behind them to snatch that place? Cam Newton and the Panthers. Cam Newton has looked like he's reverting back to what he was his MVP year. Yeah, Carolina's sitting at 7-3. and three. They probably have a bye week coming up soon. Um, yeah, You have a pretty, honestly, a stacked year in the NFC compared to the AFC. Yeah, and it's, it's just disappointing because the Raiders should have been a lot better than what they actually were. I think Derek Carr's injury really set them back a little bit, unfortunately. The Broncos aren't as good as what everyone thought that they would be. Kansas City has come down, uh, back down to earth. You know, as, as you remember, everyone was high, super high on, on Kansas City on what they were doing. But now they're not even in the discussion anymore. So there's, besides the Patriots, there's really no other team that anyone is fearing in the AFC. Even the Steelers? Or do you think... Steelers sitting at 8-2. Uh, the Steelers, I, I'll, I'll give them... I'll give you the Steelers. Okay, the Steelers, yeah. I'm just a little bit concerned about where Ben Roethlisberger's mind is. You know, he had the talks about possibly retiring at the beginning of the year. They also had some some chemistry issues at the beginning with their locker room. So I think that part is kind of dis- disturbing to me. Um, but we'll see what they do against the Patriots. At the end of the day, they're going to be measured up against what they can do against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And unfortunately, they have to go through him. Yeah, uh, you have five teams with over seven wins in the NFC and only two in the AFC. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a little unbalanced, but I think we're in for a fun playoffs this year at least from the NFC's point of view. Yeah. If you're in the NFC, it's going to be a fun time, but uh, I'm not watching. I'm not looking forward to watching anything in the AFC. Yeah, if you have Jacksonville as a three seed, it's probably a weak year. <laughs> Another Same. team that's overhyped, by the way. By the way. Mm-hmm. Same with the, the Titans, six and four, and the Bills, five and four. Um, you have the Bills would be the last one, and I think this is the AFC could possibly get a nine and seven team in as the last seed because everyone is just so bad. <laughs> like in that middle group, They're, they just keep losing. Like you have everyone from five to three wins all the way down to the Browns and the Browns still not winning. Games. Yeah. Um, They're not your, winning. Yeah. Who's your, uh, who's your pick to win the NFC in the AFC as of now? Do you even have to ask <laughs> the Eagles all the way? They're winning the NFC. Patriots will win the AFC. We're going to have a, a rematch uh, of Super Bowl uh, that we have, I believe, in the 2005, mm-hmm. uh, where Dodger and T.O. had his awesome performance come back from his broken leg. But I think we are going to re- avenge that loss, and we're going to find a way somehow to shut down Tom Brady. Carson Wentz is going to take the throne as the top quarterback in the NFL. You think he's going to... How many ranks do you think Carson Wentz finishes with? That's really hard to, to tell right now, but he definitely looks like he's poised to get at least one. Yeah. Rookie quarterbacks are always so hard to, like, as a team when you draft them because you have you have people like um, the Browns who picked Deshaun Kaiser over Deshaun Watson. 
Yeah. Um, and it's just unfortunate that Deshaun Watson got hurt because he was looking like he had that Houston Texans team on like a three and one stretch where they were looking to win some games as they were beating Seattle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He looked unstoppable. Uh, and you know, there was talks of him possibly being in the MVP discussion, uh, not only as for rookie of the year, but uh, unfortunately, uh, the ACL tour and, and and the rest is history. I think Richard Sir- Richard Sherman was saying that he looked like he had been playing in the he was picking our defense apart like he'd been playing in the league for fifteen years. Yep, and that goes to tell you that you can't discredit or discount the experience that you gain in college when you're at a big time program, you're in national championship games, and you're playing the best teams such as Alabama on a consistent basis. Uh, that's really, I think, for him, it was overlooked that he has a championship pedigree built inside of him. Yeah, same yes. thing with Cam Newton, except he couldn't quite get the Super Bowl win, as he did have <laughs> success early in his career, which is pretty rare. He just found himself on a good def- – he had a good team that he got yeah. drafted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Where do you want to go now? Uh, what well, did you get a chance to see uh, Iowa State play last night? Uh, I I did see the first half, but I was at practice for some and then uh, a game for the other. But I, can, you... I, I feel like I can talk about it because I've watched all the other games. Okay. Well, what are, what are your thoughts on how Iowa State looks this year? <laughs> so, I think that the first two games, you can't you can't take those into – account when you're talking about the team as a whole because Cameron Lard looks like an absolute beast he the man you know when you look at a player and you're like you fear that guy like he's like like he's like a scary dude Cameron Lard looks like he's a baller um him and Hans Brace bring something that we needed against tall teams like Missouri so honestly I'm taking the season as of now like we're two and oh because it's just unfortunate that we couldn't have had Lard to see where we're at I think Nick Waller-Babb is stepping up for where he needs to be because other than that, we have no scoring. Donovan Jackson seems to be like a hot and cold type of person. Um, Lindell Wigington, he'll find his stride eventually, but as of now, he's struggling a little bit. But I think this team will turn out all right and will win 15, 16 games. All right, I'm going to stop you there. I'm calling Steve Prom out. There's absolutely no way... I don't care who you have on your team that you lose to Milwaukee, Milwaukee by 18 at home. Wow. I didn't even know they had a basketball program. I didn't, man, I can't name one player on that team. I, can you name anybody who's ever played for Milwaukee? No, but the latest news I actually heard from him is they lost to a D2 school by 10. Oh, man, that is terrible. <laughs> If you want to have a top program, you can't be out there losing to Milwaukee. Wow. When I saw that, that just really set my expectations for this season. I think everything that they are saying about Iowa State as being at the bottom of the Big 12 is absolutely true, unfortunately. You can't you can't lose to Milwaukee in no circumstances. And that's unacceptable for in my opinion. See, Prom, you got to get it together. You got to coach the boys up. Donovan Jackson, that first game against Missouri, looked like a ghost. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was absolutely absolutely afraid of the moment. He is not the one. He is not ready. Uh, kudos to, to, to Bab. 
He looks like he wants to step up to the plate and be the person to lead the team. But guess what? That should be Donovan Jackson. Absolutely not acceptable. Donovan Jackson, you need to step up to the plate. You need to put your big boy pants on. And you need to go ahead and you need to show out. Because Milwaukee? (laughs) to Milwaukee? It wasn't even a close game either. (laughs) Top players do not let that happen. I tell you, Monte, Monte wouldn't let that happen. George Niang wouldn't have let that happen. Even Naz Long or Matt Thomas wouldn't have let that happen. Somebody would have taken over. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Unacceptable. I am not excited for this season. I came in and I was defending Iowa State. Said, you know what? Steve Prom is going to do an outstanding job. He's going to develop these guys. We're going to have a great defense. And then you lose to Milwaukee. It, it's Missouri. disappointing. Yeah, Missouri, uh, I'll give you a pass on that. Even though Michael Porter was only played two minutes. Yeah, but that, that was kind of disappointing. I want to see him play. Yeah, seemed like everybody else was just destroying us. <laughs> I'll give you a pass. Missouri looked like they were, they're going to be a top 10 team. All right. But then you come out and you lose to Milwaukee. And to be honest with you, we barely beat Tulsa. Tulsa? And Appalachian State. We lost we won by six. Appalachian State. You gotta blow these guys out by twenty. You, We're in you, the big twelve. You think we get killed by Boise State on Sunday? If we lose to Boise State, man. <laughs> I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say it. Honestly, I, I would a, say that the, the, the rumblings of you gotta go see prom are gonna be there. But man, we can't lose to Boise State. Yeah, def- I don't think Prom will ever be on the hot seat at, unless he strings out like five or six losing seasons in a row because he does have – he has a young team with four recruits coming in next year. Um, he had guys step up like Jacoby Long. He went like five for seven from three in, Tol- in the Tulsa game. Without mm-hmm. him, you lose the game, which is disappointing yeah. since he's like a third man off the bench. And it was clo- it was close to the end as well. They had a they had a nice lead, they lost the lead, and almost lost that game. Unbelievable! If they would have lost that game, I would have been sick to my stomach. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be an interesting year. I think we're gonna lose to a teams by we're we're gonna find ourselves where we don't have that streak where we had like 120 games without losing by more than 15. I think that we get we beat by 20 to 30 in Big 12 play quite a bit. <laughs> Oh man, that's I'm not looking forward to it. But who do you think is the best team in college basketball? Looking at it, I think I think Duke's pretty good, but I don't know if I call them the best, but as of right now, it's just so hard to tell because you always have the Michigan States, the Duke, the Kentucky, North Carolina. They're always like one, two, three, four, five, and then they play in they play each other at the beginning of the year. I don't think it's fair to compare them at the beginning of the year. Yeah. But as of now, I don't know. It's I, I don't even know if I could pick a best team. I, it's a long season. I think the best team right now is clearly Duke. Grayson mm-hmm. Allen looks like he has something to prove this year. It's going to be a, an important year, especially after uh, you know the past couple years where he had all the, the dirty player comments and the, the suspensions. He really has to come out and have a clean year, an outstanding year, uh, in order to to really erase that stigma that he's a dirty player. Yeah, he's 
He, I think he dropped like forty, right, in one of the games. He, yeah. I mean, he's he's ready to play. Yeah, and he he had big shot after big shot, uh, and he he looked good. And I I'm not a I'm not a big fan of him, but he looked good. He looked like a national player of the year. Where do you where do you see him going in the NBA? And do you think he'll have a decent career there? Ah, uh, I don't think he's going to be a good NBA player. No. I think he'll get drafted because he's from Duke. He's probably going to be in that discussion of National Player of the Year. But Duke players really aren't successful in the NBA. Jahil Okafor? Or is he from Kentucky? He's from Duke. He's from Duke. Uh, you have the, J.J. Redick is successful. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll, I'll, I'll mark him as successful. Yeah, John Shire, mm-hmm. where's he at? <laughs> Christian, Christian Leitner was, he, he had a, right. a, a decent, I think he had one all-star appearance. Uh, but nothing. To, he wasn't the type of player in the NBA that he was in in college. I mean, he was a god in college. Carlos yeah. Carlos Boozer. Eh. Jay Bill. No, no, not Jay Bill. It's the one dude from Game Day. But Jay he got Williams. injured. Williams. He got injured. So. I mean, yeah, I think what's the best college basketball team NBA talent wise? Kentucky probably. Oh, that that's debatable. I think. High on my list would be North Carolina. They seem to consistently put out good quality NBA players. Not to mention, they have the GOAT that went there. Michael Jordan. Yep. So, yeah, I I, I would put North Carolina in that discussion. I think they're number, number one. Kentucky, a lot of their players are good. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of great Kentucky players I mean, that, that, have, that have won. They have the potential to be. John Wall obviously has potential. He's a great player. Uh, Demarcus Cousins? Boogie Cousins. A little bit of a head case. It's baffling that team didn't win the national championship. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. You have John Wall and Boogie Cousins on the same team. They couldn't get it done. Couldn't get it done. They lost to West Virginia, I believe. Maybe. Yeah, I think it was in the Final Four or something. but Or no, Elite Eight. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, college basketball getting started. That's exciting. Um, but you also have college football is starting to take effect here, uh, or take its place. You have Miami's actually down by like 14 right now, but I'm going to be honest with you. I was not, I was not a believer in Miami at all. I thought they were pretending the whole way skating by, and then they come out and just destroy Notre Dame. Absolutely destroyed. I mean, they they looked good and they had fun doing it. They're a fun team to watch, especially with the the turnover chain the that chain. they pull out every time. It's uh, it's becoming contagious. They're fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, also disappointing. Iowa State couldn't get it done, but also some BS. Uh, I was there. It was. But that Oklahoma State team's got some firepower on the offensive end. Yeah, I, I said last week that if it was a shootout. There's no way that we'd win. Um, I was almost incorrect there. We had yeah, a chance. We went up by eight with like six minutes left. Mm-hmm. And then they okay. The, the turning point of the game was it was third and twenty-one, and they threw a touchdown pass. I think our our chance to win was at a ninety percent at that point, and then they got the touchdown. So yeah, a, a game that slipped away, but again, still a successful. It could be a successful season. Uh, but I feel like to meet that 
to feel like it wasn't a letdown after we had that good start, I think we need to win out and win the bowl game. Yeah, they'll definitely win today against Baylor. Uh, and I think they'll, they'll make it to a bowl game. I, from my perspective, it's already a win. When we started the season, we were talking, hopefully we can make a bowl. Mm-hmm. We know for certain that they're going to make a bowl this year. And the future is still bright for next year. And what's, what's also even more encouraging is, you know, you go, you watch college game day, and all these people are saying, if you want to, if you want a top tier coach, you need to go after Matt Campbell. Well, surprise, folks, Matt Campbell is not going anywhere because his buyout is close to nine million dollars mm-hmm. to get him away, and it's unprecedented that any university would pay nine million dollars to get him away. I think the highest actually went to Jim, um, uh, Jim uh, McElroy. I think yep. that's it. Yep. Yep, and it was five million dollars. And that was unprecedented at the time as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't see it another school adding on an additional $4 million just to take away Matt Campbell. So kudos to Iowa State for locking him in. Yeah, and I think Chip Kelly is rumored to go to Florida. That'd be fun. Yeah, I think that's a perfect fit for them. And he his style definitely works in, in college. Mm-hmm. And you put him in Florida, a good place to recruit. He's close to local talent. You could watch out for Florida potentially uh, changing the way that conference looks because uh, SEC is known for defense and running. Chip yeah. Kelly's not going to play defense and running. It's going to yeah. be fast-paced, so it's going to be very fun to see his style go up against Alabama. I, yeah. I, I would sign up for that. And definitely with his, with his past experience in the college going to those national championship games, and also bringing like that, uh, the alternate uniforms into play where he kind of got that hype train going almost at mm-hmm. Oregon. You, players like to play for him. And I feel like as a coach, when you don't have to prove yourself, it's pretty easy to get guys to go to Florida with a new coach there. I right. feel like that team could have a pretty good recruiting class and start to compete one or two years from now and beat Bama. I, I agree with that. I really do. Although... I absolutely despise Chip Kelly for what he did to the Eagles when he came there. He is a he is an offensive genius. Uh, in college, his system works. He's proven it. It's fun to watch. They don't play defense, but if you're outscoring everybody, mm-hmm. as long as you you're you outscoring by one point, that's all that matters. Yeah, it's scoreboard at the end of the game. Um, Virginia's back up seven. It's twenty-one to fourteen against Miami. Uh, you also had uh, Georgia getting throttled by Auburn. Could yeah. we see our first two-loss team getting into the playoff as they're sitting at eight and two, ranked six in the playoff? Yeah, I think it will happen. I think it's bound to happen. And Wisconsin is going to have to go through my, uh, excuse me, Michigan, and that's mm-hmm. not an easy feat as well. I see Michigan giving them. Um, a battle, and I, I actually think Michigan can pull off the upset. Yeah, they're they're tied at half right now. Um, the obviously the Georgia hype has gone down a little bit, but I still they have a chance if they come back because they they can still win their side and beat Bama in the championship game. I think that still gets them in. Mm-hmm. Um, Auburn oh. though still has an opportunity to play Alabama and Georgia. And I think there's no way you leave Auburn out after beating Georgia twice and Bama. Oh, yeah. No, if they, two losses. If, they out, if they went out, they're in with, mm-hmm. without a question. It'd be a travesty if they weren't. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma's oh. sitting at four. Uh, 
you have Alabama at one, rightfully so. They're killing Mercer right now. Yeah. I, I Alabama, I, I feel like is going to win this this year. They're they're just too good. Yeah, that seems to be the trend every year, but yeah, <laughs> always, always pulls it out, and they give them a, a good run for the money. But I think you're right this year. They're just too good. It's crazy. I was looking at it. They've been ranked since 2009 consecutive week since 2009. <laughs> And they've been ranked first for like forty weeks, or maybe even more than that. But it's just insane to me how they've been ranked almost half my lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> let that let that sink in, and it really shows you how great of a coach Nick Saban really is. He's he's the goat. He's and the I yeah, he will, I feel like he will never jeopardize his legacy by going to the NFL. He's gonna retire at Alabama. He, he needs to. That NFL experiment did not work well yeah. with the Dolphins. So yeah. he's a great college coach. He needs to stick it out, and he can be a legend in college. Yeah, he's probably will be one of the best coaches of all time, college wise. Um, who do you see in college yeah. football that could give Bama a run for their money? Who who do you think's the best challenger as of now? Oh man. When I think of challenges, it always comes down to coaching for me. And the only team that has the talent and also the coach to match would be Ohio State. I think Urban Meyer, Meyer is an outstanding coach. He's really close to that Nick Saban level as far as genius and being able to motivate his players to play the way that they should. I think if you saw a matchup with Ohio State and Alabama again, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Urban Meyer pulled out that upset. Ohio State's going to need some things to happen to get in, but still a possibility sitting at nine. They're they going to beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship yeah. game, without a doubt. Wisconsin's not that good. Um, I think if they beat Wisconsin, they get some of these guys to lose. They could sneak in there at four like they did with JT Barrett a few years back and cause some havoc. Um, Clemson got their, their quarterbacks healthy again. Um, two years in a row. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not sold on Clemson. I, I, for me, I was sold on Clemson last year, not because of Davos Sweeney, but because of Deshaun uh, uh, Watson. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have all the confidence in Kelly. Yeah. Uh, Uh, let's see. What do you think about UCF and nine and zero ranked fifteenth? <clears throat> do you think the playoff needs to get bigger and allow one group of five team to get in each year? From my perspective, I'm always a big believer in uh, a playoff system, a bigger one. I, kudos to the committee for deciding that four uh, was a good start. But we definitely need to expand it. I, if I was running the committee, I would expand it to eight teams, uh, all five of the conference, uh, the major conferences champion champions get in automatically, mm -hmm. therefore making the conference season you know that much more important. And I think you have the committee for the remaining three teams. Yeah. I don't necessarily have to have uh, a team that's outside the five. If they if they so happen to move up the rankings, then so be it. 
but eight is eight. Is, I think is a good spot to have a playoff. I feel like if they, if you get like that like a Boise State team or UCF team that does go like twelve and one or thirteen and zero, I feel like you should let them in if you do expand it to eight because everyone loves the underdog story. Even if they only win one game, it's still interesting to watch. Yeah, I think if you expand it to eight, the committee will be more more accepting of letting you know, a UCF in that's undefeated in at that eighth spot and put them up against the number one seed. When when you only have four teams right now, you want to make sure that you have the, the best team. But not only that, you have big markets and and, and teams that are going to draw in a lot of people. And that's why Alabama is always going to be there. They bring in a, a huge crowd. If they're even if they have an off year, they're always going to be in that discussion. It's crazy because an off year for Alabama is like eleven and two losing the SEC championship game. Exactly, and even then they're always in the discussion. I know it's it's insane, and they'll be ranked number one next year. Yeah, um, going back a little bit to Iowa State as they play in about forty minutes. Uh, I know you had a tennis tournament. Did you get to watch that game at all? Uh, the game last week. Yeah, I watched that. Watched the replays on it. Uh, they had a lot of heart. Played hard. I know a lot of people were upset with the, the call at the end as far as the interception. But I actually think it was the right call. I think the referees made the right call. I'll send you a picture. It's a it, it's Marchy okay, it's Marchy Murdoch's header. And this is a pretty influ like it, it's a pretty obvious picture here. So the guy who went to catch the ball went and put this on his Twitter header. I'll show them the the thing right there. Um, if you look at your phone, <laughs> yep. The, are you seeing it? Yep. That's that looks like Marty's got the ball to me. because uh, those are both his hands right there. I don't. I don't know. I, the, I, I, the only reason why it looks like an interception is because it was underthrown. Marchie went over top of him and pinned it against the defender's chest, which allowed the defender to go like this. But then it was like a fight for the ball, which means it was dual possession. And I don't think that even if the guy did come up with it, I don't think it was till after they were out of bounds. Because if you look at the replay, it, it does look as if um, his hands were constantly moving. Mm-hmm. And you can't catch the ball if your arms are moving like that. Because, like, they were like this. Like, he was trying to grab the ball out of his hands. So, yeah. it's, it's disappointing. But also, it's, it's like... At, at the end of the day, you're the quarterback. You can't throw that ball. Yeah. You, you I mean, only excuse I can give him is that he hasn't played and he's a he's a true f- or a redshirt freshman. Yep. You... you... You have the ball in your hand. You have the ability to take the referees out of the equation. You have to do that in the big-time game because you have to know coming in that Oklahoma State is going to get all of the calls no matter what. So you have to take that ball, and you have to make sure you execute on the plays that you can and make sure that the referees are not involved in the decision. Uh, kudos for the for the defender. He made a great great play. He put the pressure on the referees to make a, make a decision, and when you do that, you're, you're giving that you're losing the ability to control of the game in your hands. So what also blows my mind is that we had 40 seconds left. I think we got to feed Montgomery once after the way he he proved 
he literally he proved that they could not tackle him whatsoever. That and see, that's that's the second point that I was going to make is you got to question the play, play call there. Mm-hmm. You have a great running back. He's shown that the ability to perform in clutch moments. Why not give him an opportunity? Yeah, Let I mean, the only that. reason they were even in that position is it was a fourth and through 13. We threw a check down pass to him, and he broke three tackles to get the first down on fourth yep. and 13. Yep. <laughs> in big-time moments, you want the ball in your best player's hand. Like Montgomery, by far, is the best player. Like, uh, if we're, yeah, if we're throwing a jump ball, that's got to go to Lazard. <laughs> exactly. Without exactly. A, didn't even throw it to your best receiver. Yeah, yeah. It's like what? <laughs> um. Also, I mean, Lazard and Montgomery balled out that game. I, he, I think you saw that catch, but that was insane oh, yeah. um, focus. Thrown wow. by our middle linebacker, tipped with his left hand, caught it with his right. Yeah, it was it was outstanding. It, he's going to the NFL. Lazard is going to the NFL. You think he'll have a a, a decently successful career? It's kind of like a role wide receiver. I think he'll be a good slot receiver. Who do, who would you compare him to in the NFL now? Oh, that's difficult. I'd say because uh, he's not fast. He's just a big body that has good hands. I would say like a Mike Evans on Tampa Bay. That'd be that'd be a pretty good career, especially because Iowa State is not known for putting out professional talent. Yeah, I think he has he has the ability to to have that type of career. Uh, but only time will tell. Another another player, Montgomery, he is one tackle away from breaking the most break broken tackles in uh NCAA football season mm. with three games left. Um it's gonna be broken pretty easily. He's proved himself to be the the hardest player to tackle in college football right now. As a sophomore, could you see this man being in like a Heisman talk, say a year or two down the road if he continues his play? I think without a doubt. I think he's he's proven that, that he's a top running back in the Big 12. The, this year, he's gotten a lot of national attention uh, and some of the victories that they've had. I think the focus is going to be a little bit more on him uh, next year. But the downside to that is since everybody else knows about him, other teams also will know about him as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if other teams started to game plan a little bit more. It's going to be difficult for him next year. He's going to have to step up and elevate his game, but it's a possibility. Yeah, it's crazy, though. He's getting all these yards without any holes from the line. Like, the the run against Oklahoma State, there was nothing there. He created that himself. Or he cr- he went back cross fields. Um, I, I think it's – I don't think he'll be stopped much from a game plan. It's just – teams are just not able to tackle him because he's just so low to the ground and so strong he it's hard to game plan for a guy that will just throw a defender off you you know it's it's crazy um he he's got a he's not super like tall or anything but you have guys that size successful in the nfl at running back position do you think this is a running back or a professional running back or caliber or not I think he he can play in the NFL. Uh, only time will tell. He has the right tools and, and skills to be successful. I'm really interested to see how he develops uh, his body-wise. Is he going to bulk up? Is he going to continue to be more of a scat back? 
but there's always if you can find the right system in the NFL, you can be a successful NFL uh, running back. Do you 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 like um, or I liked Zeb Nolan's play after Kemp got hurt? He seemed to he has a he has an interesting throwing motion. But other than that, I mean, he was throwing some darts down the field, which is something Kemp doesn't do. Yeah, su- surprise, surprise. You never know what you got until you put him in the game. Uh, very encouraged to see what he was able to do. And, um, yeah, I had absolutely no complaints. But it also shows you what type of coach Matt Campbell is. Mm-hmm. We've had three different quarterbacks this year, and we continue to have success at the quarterback level. It, that's all coaching. That's getting them prepared, making sure that the, they know their reads and their options, and and, ma- and putting together a game plan that sets your quarterback up for success, no matter what the competition is. That, kudos to Matt Campbell. That's that's all him. That's why he's an outstanding coach. And technically, four quarterbacks have played this year. <laughs> Lanning. Lanning. <laughs> it's crazy. He has two. He had two offensive touchdowns and then like ten tackles. Mm-hmm. Got got to be. He's gonna win that award for the best all-around player. He's, oh, yes. Yeah, yes. he's in the he's in the finals right now. He's absolutely destroying everybody. Mm-hmm. But that that's gonna be hard. That's gonna be a big miss next year when we don't have him. Is he's obviously like probably like the team leader. Yeah. Um. Another news. I think I was surfing Cyclone Fanatic, and I think there's rumors that Jacob Park has gone back to the practice. I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but someone said he was back at the practice field. Okay. I still think Jake is, is our best quarterback, so I'm hoping he can make a comeback from next year and whatever happened to him. I hope he I I hope he at least gets whatever's going on figured out. But it would be I I hope he comes back next year. Uh I he's he's definitely not the best quarterback on this team. You don't think so? This year. No, I, I don't. Really? I think I think Kemp is is the best quarterback on this team. Um, well, I'd say he's the most successful. I don't I don't know if he's the best. I think Park had one bad game, but other than that, it's just Kemp is like a he's he's so one dimensional, you know. Like he doesn't he he can't escape the rush, and he doesn't throw a the great long ball. I think he's been bailed out by the defense a little bit, but still. That's what I, you expect from a guy that doesn't I, really play. I judge my quarterback when the lights are brightest. He took down two top five programs uh, in the same month. You, mm-hmm. you got you got to give him give him credit for that. Yeah, I do give him credit, but I also want to give the defense credit for that because it they game planned very well for. A TCU team and a, a Baker Mayfield was probably going to win the Heisman Trophy and held them to 31 points. He's got to put points on the board, though. He's got to lead that 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 offense down the field. He's the he's the commander in chief on that I, field. I think his best game was the Oklahoma game, but as more film came out, they slowly started figuring out what he was all about. Yeah, and that that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, another thing on ESPN. They're saying it's hard to prepare for someone with so many quarterbacks because. <laughs> you, you just don't know what they're gonna do because whenever Lanning's in the game, you expect him to th- run the ball. Mm-hmm. I when are when are we gonna have him just do one of those Tebow passes for a touchdown? <laughs> you, the, know, you know it's coming in in football. You you set up every play is to set up the next play. Mm-hmm. And you're you're going to see a play where he just 
He lets it loose. It's coming. Yeah. Uh, do you think Landon could find himself in the NFL, or do you think he's... Because the only way I see him getting a little bit of attention is he only played linebacker for one year, and he had that much success. I think people would notice that and be like, okay, this guy's easy to develop. He could be a decent player, you know? Yeah, from from everything I've seen, <clears throat> I think he's getting some some looks from some NFL teams as a as a late draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'll he'll make it. I'm out of I'm not expecting him to make any kind of impact in the NFL, mm-hmm. but he'll definitely make a roster. Uh, anywhere else you want to go for this podcast? I think we're good. I think we can we can do sign off. We can sign off. off. This is actually an hour exactly right now, so that was pretty solid time um this has been the jonah steve podcast make sure to subscribe as we are trying to get a little more uh at least like following here the mm-hmm. the setups will continue to improve we're lurk we're working on the best uh options we have here um give us feedback and let us know what you want to talk about next week uh steve you got anything no thank you for the support and uh, we look forward to to continue to do these podcasts and and let us know what you think. Feedback is always great. All right. This is us signing off. Peace. Deuces.